Good evening, I'm Ted Koppel. Surely everyone knows by now that Buckwheat is dead. But for those of you who have not seen the videotape of Buckwheat being shot, let's take a look. But God sometimes leads us into things in order to test us. This is a filthy, creepy van that someone wrote rape on the side of. I wrote that. The van doesn't have any locks, and the word rape keeps all the weirdos away. Ty Webb. Heavy Longmire. Gustav Mateblanc. Is GLK London transmitting on the shortwave band on 10.4 meters at a frequency of 250 megacycles per second? This is GLK London transmitting on the shortwave band on 10.4 meters at a frequency of 250 megacycles. Can you hear me? Can you hear me? Can you hear me? Can you hear me? Come on then, Plato. Enlighten me. <laughs> Let's hug it out. Well, welcome to another edition of Can You Hear Me? I'm Gustav Monteblanc. I'm Ty Webb. And I'm Heavy Longmire. And you can find us on Twitter at Real Gustav. At Muzzy74, M-Z-Z-Y-7-4. Because yous can go suck a dick. Exactly. I hate yous. And you can find me, Heavy Longmire, at Longmire Heavy. And if you like to send us some hate mail, you can email us at canyouhearmepod at gmail.com. And uh, we welcome any kind of... Uh, Feedback, good or bad, we don't really care. Just as long as you yell at us. Are you a home-based shitter? Mm. You know, last week, Ty shared the struggle at his hole-in-the-wall gym of the man that goes and shits and doesn't wash his hands. You know... My home base is a little bit different than most since I travel so much, mm-hmm. but my hotel becomes my home base. Right. And um, I am, as much as I try to be, a home base shitter. Yeah. For the most part, I am. I've, you know, this age in life, you've, you've kind of got a routine. Yes. Kind of got a cycle. Got a rhythm. Yep, got a rhythm. And, uh... So I try to get that worked out, uh, you know, before I start my day. Right. And, uh, and usually when I end my day. Yes. And, now, uh, have you, I have found if I get up early, may get up to take care of business, but before I leave, there may need to be another visit. Two rounds. I, two rounds. Two morning rounds. Two mornings rounds, maybe. Depends on how much coffee I've drank. So I don't drink coffee. Right. At all? Pussy. At no, all? He does not drink coffee. He doesn't drink coffee. He doesn't drink don't, don't alcohol. Drink booze. He's a Mormon. I drink an awful lot of uh, Coke Zero, so I think that knocks me out of the running. No, it's no. Oh yeah, that's yeah. Caffeine. yeah. They don't. Yeah. They don't care for the soda yeah, as a general rule. Caffeine. Did I ever tell you about the uh, big fan of the Sprite? Not even that. Sometimes. Uh, did I ever tell you about the? Uh, the Monteblancs go on a double date with the LDS couple? Yes. Did I tell you, Ty? No. As we've established, Mrs. Monteblanc is much more likable than I am. Everybody she, loves her. Sure. She's a people person. It's very much so. People could probably do without me as a general rule. Okay. So one day she met some new lady in town, um, at some mom's group or something like that. And so she's like, oh, yeah, we're going to, they just moved to town. We're going to get together and go out, you know, have dinner. I'm like, okay. And she, we are more of a Protestant faith. And although I've worked and know quite a few LDS people, their sense of humor don't always align with mine. So I... She didn't have to tell me, but I took it upon myself to say, I have to behave. You got to take it down a notch. You got to tone it down. Keep the snake in the cage. So Very very mature of you. Trying. Trying real hard. So we went to a place that you mentioned in a previous uh, podcast. Okay. Which serves libations. Yes. Yes, they do. But, you know, in that town, not a whole lot of choice. So that's where we were. And... 
Mrs. Montablanc, I think I'll have a margarita. Hey, let's so get it's this party already, started. You know, kind of like there we go. Let's loosen right. this thing up. But they were cool, you know. They're having, they're fine. The end of the night, they're no, 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 no. So I still trying to be good. I'll just have a water with a lemon, thank you. Whoa, oh, how a metro of you. So they're like, well, we don't ever get to get out. We got a babysitter. What do you want to do now? I have no idea. Mrs. Montblanc. Strip clubs open. Let's go shoot pool. So we go to a pool hall. All right. With the LDS couple. <laughs> well, do they have LDS pool halls? I'm, I'm not aware of them. I've never worked in Utah, so I'm not sure. So we're there. Again, I'm being on my best behavior. No dick jokes. No nothing. You know, I'm right. towing the line here. Which is really hard to do in a pool hall. Exactly. So we play pool uneventfully for a while. Okay, and then what do we want to do now? The girls think of karaoke, so we head off to some bar. Bar. A lot of Donnie and Marie songs. Well, the bar was closed, <laughs> the one that they wanted to go to. So, uh, and it's still, it's maybe like 10 o'clock, and so the couple are like, well, you know, the kids are over at the babysitters. Why don't y'all come back and we'll play a board game? We love mm-hmm. board games. I see where this is going. It's not going there. It, I it is, think they're working into it that. It is not going there. Thank you very much. We go over, and they want to play Bananagrams. What okay. is Bananagrams? Bananagrams is some kind of Scrabble-like freeform game. It's got tiles with letters on them that are happen to be in a... Like a banana sack that looks kind of phallic. Whoa. Man, this is, this situation is setting up, you're setting up Gustav for failure in this situation. Well, this at, is like asking him to hold his breath for three hours. At yeah. this point, it's felt like the Lord is just waving a red flag, a red cape in front of me the whole night. Right. But I'm trying my best to be the shepherd here. So, the couple, the lady, she says, you know, we have a house rule that if you can play a word that's dirty, you go ahead and play it. Mm, sounds a little kinky. Again, this is the Lord waving the red cape at the bull, you know. Right. You're trying to be the shepherd, I'm but trying. you've got the wallet in your pocket I that says bad, bad motherfucker I'm on it. I'm trying to be a shepherd. So I'm thinking my dirty words are probably way dirtier than yours, man. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Their dirty word is like damn. Damn, and I'm. Dropping the C-bomb, you know. So we start playing. And, of course, Mrs. Monteblanc is competitive. Yes. She's, She's got a margarita in her. Yeah, but that's been a long time, you know. It's This is played pool, you know. We've nah, that's true. dragged through. She didn't suck down three PBRs at the pool she, hall. She might have had a couple. She might have had a beer at the pool hall. I can't remember. But she, I think she plays like damn or something like that at some point. And... Through my sheer will, I'm winning. I'm getting close to hitting whatever the marker was. You had to throw God in front of it, didn't you? No. No, actually worse than that. So I have a three-letter word that I can play that's going to win me the game because I'm almost out of tiles or whatever. I don't even know what the bullshit rules are. But the word is an obscure old English. It's H-I-E. Okay. It's to go. I can't remember if it's hi or hey or whatever the pronunciation is, but I know this word. But the only way I know this word is because it's in an old Mormon hymn about going to the star where God lives, the star of Kolob. And how does, never mind. Yeah, no, that's exactly the, okay, so I play the word. I mean, who doesn't know that hymn? Right. Well, so. Here I have this. Th- I hum this, it every night. Right. Here I have this part. I'm thinking more of like they've put down high and he he adds like M-A-N to it. <laughs> right. So I know this is like the ultimate test of me. Mm-hmm. But I'm like, I'm going to win, damn it. So I play it and the girl says, that's not a word. Oh, so now you've got Mormon controversy. And I say, well, actually it is. It's a really, you know, old word. And you may remember it from one of your hymns. So here's this. He is bitch, bitch slapping the. And she's Hell like, out of this. So she's LDS. like, how do you know this? Like, are you one of us? Like, yeah. And filtrated. Mrs. Montbox like, don't worry, he just knows stuff, you know. And it's because I'd been reading up on 
LDS stuff while I'd been working in LDS parts of the world mm-hmm. and had all this crazy good and bad viewpoints and everything. And I didn't want to go into that. So I started talking about how Battlestar Galactica was created by Glenn Larson, a devout yeah. LDS. And you may remember the episode uh, Gods of Cobol, which is – Loosely, oh yeah, you know, and oh, and it's an Osmond album also, <laughs> and they're like, what? you know, so the night ends kind of awkwardly with me, no, showing showing up the Mormons, spouting off all this stuff, out Mormoning the Mormons. Well, years later, I think we were telling it maybe to you and Mrs. Longmire, maybe I can't remember, and Mrs. Monowak's like, I don't remember it being like that, and it being a big deal or anything like that, and I'm like, no, it was real. It got really kind of awkward. Few years pass. We see them from time to time around town and stuff, but we have not intermingled. I hadn't got to come back and play Bananagrams ever again. Right? No, you can keep your Protestant ass at home. So <laughs> one day we are at a dance class. Her daughter was in. My daughter was in, and she's talking to me, you know, friendly. And there's another member of her congregation. And she tells the story. Oh, yeah, and he played, like, so it marked her. Right. Oh, yeah. So that was an awkward little uh, hmm. moment where too much knowledge in my head. Right. <laughs> Jeopardy gone wrong. Jeopardized. I don't remember how we got there from taking a shit at home. Seems like a pretty linear move. From <laughs> yeah, you know. It organically Home shitting to LDS shaming. I have nothing against the LDS. You know, like I said, I've, in past ones, I've worked with some really great folks, and they've tolerated my shenanigans way more than they should. Wouldn't you have loved to have been a fly on the wall, though, after y'all left? Yeah. To see what yeah, I'm sure it would have been an interesting conversation. Like two Cold War spies have just been, yeah. I think they've been outed, you know. <laughs> They're like they, pulling of, handbooks out of a. Secret dresser drawer and shit. And I got the code book. I got the pearl pearls of uh, pearls of great price. I've been reading through it at night. Mm. She looks at him and she's just like, "How the hell did you let this happen?" Yeah. No, I'd probably he, him looking at her because she's the one that she and Mrs. Montebello. Oh yeah, she was she was the bad apple in that bunch. Yep, I hadn't got to be invited to play Bananagrams ever again. Have you ever? Speaking of... Seen a grown man naked? Right. you like movies about gladiators, Jimmy? <laughs> Speaking of the Mormons, which I don't think they fall into this at all. I know some people do. But uh religious sects in general, or some might call cults, it's very fascinating to me, the mind power that a charismatic, like a Jim Jones type yes, situation? Yes, a charismatic leader when it comes to religion can have over people. So Jim Jones, you know, that put a uh, psychic mark on me when that happened. I remember the cover of Time, the aerial shot of yeah. just all the bodies mm-hmm. laid out. And, you know, we I think we touch on Powers Booth like once every few weeks. But yeah. he did the uh, Jonestown tragedy I've never seen It's on YouTube in parts. Yeah. It's really good. Yeah. There's a documentary. I believe it's on Netflix. Future sponsor. I think it might just be called Jim Jones. I can't remember what it's called, but it's about all that, and it's very good. takes from his childhood to the end and just shows kind of this man. Right. Just this – I remember watching it, you know, years ago and just thinking, damn, that's just unbelievable the power that somebody like that can have over you. I mean, like even David Crash. Yeah. You know? Right. Now, or, uh, the Heaven's Gate folks. Yeah. Yeah. That's Apple, is it Apple White? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. And that, he, uh, he had some Texas ties. I think like he'd come through school here or something. I don't remember where. Yeah. Um, you know, when I was young, real young in the 70s, I remember the Moonies being a big thing. The Moonies. That was Reverend Sun Young Moon from Korea. Oh. They had the big mass weddings and stuff. And that was a okay. big deal down in Austin. Yeah. Because my aunt lived down there for a while. And I think 
the family was always concerned. She's going to hook up with the Moonies. Hook up with the Moonies, I guess. I don't know exactly, <laughs> but I remember that was a thing. You know, the Moonies were, you know, these things that you were watching. Watch out about. for those Moonies. And then, uh, you know, I, I've run in, into LA on the streets to some different groups. Mm-hmm. You know, you, get, you see the Harry Krishnas out on the street. What, what is their gig? What do they believe in? <sighs> you know, it gets into I don't know some, much about them. Uh, I would be hard pressed to give you a specific thing. They, you know, it's an enlightenment and stuff, and Krishna is. It's it's kind of it's tied to the some Hinduism. Hinduism. Okay. It's tied to it, but it's not exactly. And there's a you know a a guru that they mm-hmm. revere, and so you get into some things like that. Um, you run into a lot of Scientology out there too. Uh, have you seen that movie? No, The Master. Or the yeah. one about the, the or the documentary. The documentary? No, the movie. Going that, clear? No, it's a couple of years old. It had Battlefield Earth. Philip Seymour Hoffman. Oh, that's the master. Yeah. The master. Did you see that? I didn't see that. I, I haven't seen it, that. but I heard it was good. I, I watched Battlefield Earth, which was sponsored pretty much by the Church of Scientology. I haven't seen that. That was an L. Ron Hubbard. That was an L. Ron Hubbard book. Adaptation. And I've read the yeah. book too. The book's awful. Really? And the, but the movie's worse. Oh, it's, The yeah. movie's the worst thing on earth. Wow. Well, uh, Longmire and I were talking before you got here about uh, a lot of the cult devil worship stuff that was going on when we were in school. Oh, we that, lived through the satanic scare of the 80s. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, that was a big, you know, that was yeah. a big issue around school and everything growing up. And we were talking about that certain... You know, location yes. that we drove out to a few times and had some encounters with some cult-like activity that was going on out there, and uh, well, we camped the remnants out, of that. We camped out there uh, regularly with mm-hmm. scouts, and we saw some weird stuff out there. I, I think yeah, most of it was in your already in your mind kind of thing, uh, but that. That's one of the most beautiful places in our home county, I think. Yes, for sure. And and it's very peculiar. It's just it's because it's different. It's, it's, it, it has an eerie feel. Yeah. It doesn't match the rest of the county. Yeah, it has an like Ty says has an eerie feel. And I remember me and you maybe 15 years ago were out there walking around one day during the day, and we're talking about just the eeriness. I mean, and even the we're up on top of one of those clay hills, and uh, I mean, even the trees look different and grow different. Like, yeah, or well, they bend a lot of times. Yeah, and they, yeah. they bend weird ways, and it's like, you know, yeah, this is a post oak, but it's just a different looking right. post oak, you know. There'd, this, be, there'd be pines that would bend, you know. Yeah. Strange over like they're trying to get to the sun, but there's no reason for them to bend. Yeah, exactly. Well, you had that experience of seeing the smoke out there do weird things. Yeah, yeah. Of a uh, a smoke smoke rising from a a real windy day from a uh, a fire that had been left smoldering, and uh, we walk up on it, and it's up on a ridge. And the smoke goes straight up into the air. I mean, just, I mean, as straight as a line up into the air above the trees. And then it bends and blows with the wind. You know, mm-hmm. it's like, like a 90 degree angle almost. Yeah. Like I mean, and this is like an, it's in, it's in uh, excuse me, it's in the springtime. So, right. it's, you know, kind of like it is now, real windy, early spring. And uh, yeah, just weird things out there. But again, you don't know how much you're looking for weird things, right. or uh, you know, you probably find weird things in everyday right. life. I remember one up. time we were out there and we saw we saw something in the night moving. Yep. But were you working we, on your night moves? Well, we were out playing like capture the flag or something, but we oh, were yeah. way out from where we were supposed to be. Yeah. No flashlights or anything. Way out in this, like, 50-acre cedar thicket. Yeah. And something that was personish was moving through. And it was, you know, there was clothing, but it was, like, one color, mm-hmm. lighter color. But, you know. Was it the moon? 
was yeah. like clouds moving in front of the moon that was just something weird. Because you know, blocking you're out, off light here and there. When yeah. you're 13 or 12 and you're out there already scared shitless that some 16-year-old football player is going to come beat your ass. You know, you're already hyped up. Plus, Playing flag. plus the idea that the devil, you know, devil worshippers may get you. So, <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of power of suggestion out there. It's it's a beautiful place, but it's also an odd place. I I remember going. I had. I mean, there was. Of course, anytime you went out there, especially at night, it was eerie to say the least, if not spooky. Right. And. I it's remember really very Friday the thirteenth. Yeah, yes. yeah, exactly. Yeah, and I remember going out there one night uh, with a couple other friends, and we were just driving around, you know, drinking and that kind of thing. And it was like middle of the night on a weekend, and we decided, you know, hey, you know, let's just drive out there, which you know we did right. all the time. Right? Yeah, not uncommon. And so we drove in, and some of those times we drove out there, you know, we saw some of that activity of there were people meeting and circled up and all that kind of stuff and we didn't hang around too long to see what was going on but this time we drove out there and we parked at like and we didn't see anybody else anywhere you know and it was late real late and we parked out there kind of by like where that old boat ramp okay area is mm-hmm. you know what i'm talking about there's like that you know big mm-hmm. concrete area out there and we're we parked we got out of the truck. We were just, you know, standing around, drinking, talking, or whatever. Well, at one point, we saw, like, we looked over, and we didn't notice that, like, nestled up kind of, like, halfway pulled into the trees, like, towards the bank, you know, kind of hidden, like, mm-hmm. you know, hidden amongst the trees right there at the bank, was this white van. Which anytime there's a white van that you see at one o'clock in the morning, any van doesn't matter what color. And this is not a location to where people frequented. Yeah, there there wasn't people camping out there or anything like that. Yeah, and so it automatically got us, you know, freaked out. Yeah. Well, then, and it's one of those to where like there's not a bunch of windows in the van. You know, it's got Mm -hmm. its two front windows and everything, windows in the back, and then about the. No longer than we'd seen the van and gotten spooked and it was like, you know, hey, you know, what the hell is that? Right. Then one of the little inside lamps oh. turned on and it just shines like a very dim orange light inside Ooh. the van. Man, we got in the vehicle and got our ass out of there <laughs> so fast. I mean, I don't know what was going on in that van, yeah. but it couldn't have been good. There was... One of our friends who we've talked about on the show before, I I don't think I was with him with it. And we've had this discussion of you hear stories so many times, you kind of put yourself in that story, mm-hmm. and you get confused on whose story is whose. I don't think I was there when this happened. No, I know I wasn't there when this happened because he was coming uh, looking for me and some more of our friends. We were going to be out there hanging out. So this friend of ours and another guy who was an upperclassman, they come down to that area you were talking about yeah. down by the water, thinking we'd be down there, which we weren't. We were at the opposite end of this uh, property. Meanwhile, he says when they pull in, they notice this truck pulled off on the edge of the road into the woods. It's on a, you know, it's an incline right there, kind of, you know, kind of steep. And a truck pulled in there, and a guy, they see a campfire. Yeah. A guy standing beside the campfire. Dude camping. He's got a, I guess he's got a tent, I don't know. And uh, so anyway, our friends pull down to that area, look around, and we're not down there. So they're pulling out, and they think, hey, let's stop and ask this dude if he's seen anybody, you know, hanging out down here. Yeah. He said, uh. You know, and all this transpired in the middle, you know, like 45 seconds, they, you know, or a minute. Yeah, they pass this guy's camp, do the look around, we're not there, they're coming back out. And, uh, like, and they just seen him standing by the fire. So he thinks, uh, okay, well, I'm, I'm gonna hop out of the truck and go over and ask this guy if he's seen any kids down here. So he starts walking up to the guy's camp through the woods. The guy's not there, he doesn't see him. 
Mm-hmm. Doesn't see a silhouette from the fire anymore. And uh, and this is probably thirty yards off the gravel road. Yeah. In uh, into the woods. So he gets up to the campfire. Doesn't see the guy. You know, you can tell that the guy's camping. Well, he turns back around to walk towards the truck, and all of a sudden, a flashlight shines him in the face mm. and said it was the you know the dude mm-hmm. yeah. from the fire is now between our buddy and the truck mm. with a flashlight in his face he said it just it was just a sudden burst of light right you can't it, see anything you can't man. see anything and said he starts trying to you know kind of block out part of it and then he notices there's a barrel of a pistol in Whoa. the other hand, mm. right beside the flashlight. And the guy says, what are you doing? And uh, our buddy says, well, I, I was coming up here to ask you. We were supposed to meet some friends down here. I was going to see if you'd seen anybody hanging out down by the lake. You know, that's it. What are you doing down here? Not and the uh, still has the gun cordial on. response right. you're looking for. Not, uh, no, not Mr. Helpful at this yeah. point. Yeah, still has the pistol pointed in his face, still has the flashlight in his face. It's getting intense. So he says this again, we're looking for some friends of ours. I was going to ask you if you'd seen them down here tonight. I hadn't seen anybody. And said just as quick as that, flashlight snaps off. And, you know, then he's kind of readjusting again. Yeah. And opens his eyes back up, and the dude's freaking gone. Turns back around. He's not by the campfire. And uh, <laughs> so he can hear him off in the woods. Right. You know, he darted off real quick. And our buddy hauls ass back to the truck. And <laughs> I bet. They don't search us out. You know, we're at the opposite end of the property. And uh, But, yeah, some creepy individuals down there. It, it was a place, so there were plenty of coon hunters coming through, also yeah. causing hell. Yeah. Kids drinking, weird drifters. Yep. Because you would see people down there and vehicles down there that you would never see around town right. anywhere. Yeah. I mean, just like, who the fuck is this guy? And, and it was, it was well, it's what, 10 miles, yeah, 12 I mean, miles way out, of town. out of the way. Yeah. I mean, so it's not even, so you could skirt through a, a part of the world where it's easy not to be seen. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, my point is, it's a it great was, hideout spot. If, I'm like, if it was locals, you know, some of these weird cats yeah. That, yeah. that we would actually see. You would know them from seeing them around town. Right. Hell, it was a small town. You'd recognize their vehicle, at least. Right. Or you'd recognize the long-haired, creepy dude. Right. You know, and uh, that has PTSD from, you know, 1968. Right. And, uh, but yeah, there was was some creepy, creepy cats down there. You know, in general, you know, I've worked in some, some of the most dangerous, statistic-wise, cities. Like Memphis. Bragging montage. Well, man. Philadelphia, Oakland. Spies work is not easy. You know, <laughs> no, it's shitty places in Michigan and stuff. But my most uncomfortable play, thing, events have always been rural, isolated places. Yeah. With crazy p- people that you either know are there mm-hmm. or you're actively intervening. You've talked about southeast Oklahoma. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We've been in some weird spots up there. Yes, uh, I've been times where a road's been shut down or a bridge has been shut down because of a wreck, and you start trying to do back roads mm-hmm. that you don't know. Yeah, and ended up we ended up in one place. We were pulling a horse trailer, and so um, I'm not the greatest trailer backer, you know, in the world to begin with, but we gotten cut off from getting back to Texas because of the bridge is shut down. Makings of a movie. And yeah. I took a wrong turn. Cute and we ended up in this dead end. But there's a shack over here on one side and a shack on the opposite side. But it's it's like as big as this garage between the two of them. Mm-hmm. And dude comes out from one side and I said, I'm sorry, you know, we made a wrong turn. I just got to back up. And as I start to try to back up, a dude comes out from the other side. I said, what are y'all doing? I said, well, you know, sorry, I you know, made the wrong turn. That guy said it was okay to back up. Well, that guy don't know shit. 
I mean, this guy literally lives like 15 feet away from him, and they they're hate each other. They're probably related. Yeah, they probably are, but, you know, yeah. I'm like, I've just walked into the Hatfields and McCoys here. There was one time I was up in uh, southeast Oklahoma, and I was by myself at the time, which is not a good idea, and I went to um, a place that we used to camp up there. Okay. And I decided to swim across the river to the property that we were not authorized to be on. Oh. Up on top of that cliff? Uh, yeah. Okay. You know, where you could see that there were mm-hmm. some cabins and stuff? Mm-hmm. So I just go walking around, and I stumble onto a compound Uh-oh. of multiple cabins and old buses. The old bus is always a always, sign, too. Yeah. Yeah, that's and uh, red flag. Like outhouses painted with moons and stars. Right. And this is sounding very true detective. It was very true detective, and before true detective existed, and obvious signs that people have been shooting a lot. Mm-hmm. But nobody was there, and so I walked down the end of the road, and the gate was locked. It was a pipe gate, and I'm like, you know what? I'm getting the hell out back out of here. Yeah. Hopefully nobody shows up. Yeah. But if something had happened. Nobody would have ever known. That's the scariest part to me of the bad things happening in the rural areas aspect yeah. is, I mean, hell, you remember in that same area you're talking about, guys, when I was in college, so 20 years ago, there I remember reading in the Dallas Morning News, there's an article about a... Uh, Evidently, there's this guy from Dallas who'd been up in that area you're talking about where we used to camp. He'd been up there hunting back when all that was timberland Right up there. He'd been up there hunting, deer hunting, and he'd just never come home. And uh, they'd searched for him, couldn't find him. They mm-hmm. thought, never found a truck or nothing. So they just thought, well, he, you know, this guy's run off, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Well, about six months later, they find some bones in the woods up there, and... uh well, first off, I think they found his truck. His truck was, like, down in a ravine and covered up and, you know, shit. It had been partially stripped, that right. kind of stuff. Well, then, so they start searching that general area. They find bones. And uh, it was just a dude. I mean, he'd been he'd been killed, cut up, and burned. Mm. Kind of just dumped in a pit, right. basically. Yeah. In a, in a fire pit. They were able to match him. It had something to do with buttons or grommets, or they might have found some teeth. I don't know what it was. But this was a guy that was just up there deer hunting yeah, and it stumbled into the wrong place at the wrong time. One, and, I mean, shit, he could have easily have never been found. You and, know? you know, with with the drug, whether it be meth or growing pot in between the Back then it was pot. Forestry. Yeah. You know, you're you're the outsider. Yeah, yeah, you ain't on your home turf up you're, there. You're or stills that people have got going on. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and that, and I agree. I mean, I'm with you on that. I mean, I've been in some, you know, rough metropolitan areas and that kind of thing. But there's a whole nother level of fear, I think, associated with being out there somewhere to where, you know, I mean, you can scream as loud as you want, and nobody's going to hear it. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The shot, a shot is not going to elicit any no. blink of an eye. No. You could shoot a gun 20 times in a row, and nobody's going to hear it. You know, yeah. they're not even going to know. Or think anything about it. No. Yeah. They might hear it, but hell. Somebody's out people, spotlighting people or whatever. People shooting all the time, you know. Yeah. But they're, uh, Talking about at mom and dad's, I, for, I forget living in the suburbs now, you know, we'll be out at mom and dad's, especially in the evening. It's People get out, you know, the critters come out, right. that kind of stuff. And, I mean, you can hear, which, hell, their closest neighbor is mile away, right. mile and a half away. And that's just one. But, I mean, you can hear, you know, gunshots for yeah for miles, you know, and you don't think anything about it, and yeah. especially in the mornings, you know, people shooting at shit. And right. you've got your, you know, crazy guy across the creek that he shoots like, Three hours straight, right. never seems to have to reload. It's like, it's like, what the <laughs> shit is he shooting over there? But that whole area, and I, I mean, something. It seems like no matter where you are, too, that there's a s- certain kind of spookiness that's associated with like rivers in general mm-hmm. and areas around, you know, big rivers and yeah. that kind of thing. 
And that, I mean, I think you take that whole section of south, you know, just south and just north of the Red River, yeah. from Texas to Oklahoma. The Red River Valley. Yeah, and you, a, you've got, I mean, you can wander into some trouble really easy. And I've tried to tell people that's just a, people from down here, that's a different culture along that swath of territory for about. Time has kind of stood still. For about 15 miles, hell, further than that, 20 miles north of the river. Further than that. 20 miles south of the river. It's more like 100 miles north, so maybe the, 200 miles. Right. Well, you get all of southeast Oklahoma yeah. in there, but just, I mean, yeah, that's some, that's, that's a different breed of folk. I've always been amused by the amount of bars on the Oklahoma side that have no sign. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They have probably no light outside. The only mm-hmm. thing that tells you it's a bar is a neon beer sign of some sort. And you know, bars on the windows. And bars on the windows. Yeah. Yep. And they come and go. They'll be open. They'll be closed. They'll yep. be... Do you remember the time that we stopped in the one that they tried to give us free chili? I know which one you're talking about. Two seventy one. No, it was over. It was over uh, where I used to live. Oh, okay. Yes, 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 yes. And so we pulled into this place. I don't know why we stopped there, but it was. It was. I don't either. It was the couple. It was the two couples. Uh-huh. The girls were with us, and they were as happy as hell to see us. Yeah. Kept trying to give us free chili, which is in the crock pot over there, some yeah. Wolf brand. And I guess there were maybe like four or five regulars. I'm not sure who worked there and who didn't. It was yeah. hard to tell. It's kind of a self-serve yeah. atmosphere. Yeah. Was, and they just thought we were the best thing ever. Yeah. I, have, I can't tell you why in the world we stopped there. I think we were just curious to yeah, see what was. Feeling curious. I, I have a funny story about a guy I used to work with who was from that area over there. He grew up, well, yeah, right around that area, around Durant, kind mm-hmm. of stuff like that. I worked with him a couple of years ago. And uh he was, we were talking about that, about just those bars. You'll just be out in the middle of nowhere, you know, right. on county roads and stuff like that. And he said probably about 15 years earlier in his wilder days, said uh he'd been out drinking and, you know, messing around all day and was out driving around and he got over to that area. He's like, I'm going to, oh, and it said, uh, it said topless outside the bar. And, uh, he's like, I'm going to go in there. He's by himself. So he walks in. There's one old grizzled dude, you know, typical river valley look to him, leaned up against the bar. And then this old, haggard woman behind the bar. My friend says he walks up to the bar, orders a beer. She's kind of looking around. Said it's like 7 p.m., something like that. Looking around, nobody else in the place. And so there's this little, what he assumed was the stage. Box. For the top, (laughs) yeah, basically a cheese box kind of thing. And, uh... For the topless dancer. Cheese box is a very old man term. <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> and uh said so kind of jokingly, he looks over at the old man and says, uh, so what time does the topless dancer get here? <laughs> and said so the old man looks at the grizzled old lady across the bar, kind of flips his head at her, said so she walks out from behind the bar, puts a quarter in the jukebox, Gets up on that little stage and proceeds to take her top and bra off. <laughs> I said, did you stay? He said, well, hell, I, you, 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 you got to stay. Hell, she put a quarter in the right. jukebox, you, you know. And, and uh, I said, what, what What did you do? He said, I, I couldn't look. I mean, it was I mean, it was awful, awful. And uh Said, no, I don't know if it was this man's wife. Right, you didn't want to, or you don't want to offend anybody yeah, in a situation right. like that. You, the last thing you want to do in those type establishment is offend someone. Yeah. Right. Said, so he waited till the, you know, music had finished. Thirty-eight special song was over. Hold on loosely. And uh, 
he finished his beer and made his exit. I always found that humorous. He just said he's, that old man just kind of flicked his head at the old lady. And she Time walked out from that, behind the that's, bar. That's and, great. Yeah. That is great. That's something that sort of uh, we have a little overlap with our generation from our parents' generation is that we got to experience the jukebox. Oh, yeah. yes. Yeah. I mean, it wasn't around a, for a long time, but there was still like, even up until the time that we were in high school. The Pizza Hut still the, had the, the Pizza jukebox. Hut still had one. Mm-hmm. Um, I've been in a few bars in my late 20s, but by that time, it had changed to the CD. Yeah, and even just MP3s. Yeah. Where you can just load up a shitload of stuff and it's set up. I mean, visually it looks right. just like a jukebox as far as your, you know, CD liner. Uh-huh. Yeah. Kind of, you can see the, what album it is and that right. kind of stuff. And you still have to push J3 and use the button to flip the pages over to. But how awesome. Remember it, the one at the, the old st- style when it had the little hand, hand typed little label that you yes. had to go in and yeah. you had to search through there and find your uh, foreigner that you wanted. Yeah. Play jukebox hero and yeah. those little white buttons that you would push yeah. in. I mean that was yeah that right that ne- was magic right next yeah. to the cigarette machine. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. cigarette machine, the cigarette machine, and the Miss Pac Man. Yeah, that that Pizza Hut, man, that was, and, and I know it's still there, but that was just a magical place. It was at a time. Well, well that's Tuesday back. nights, family night buffet. Well, and that's back when it was a big thing to go eat out. Yes, yeah. You yeah, know. that's and that's another thing that we overlapped a little bit with our parents' generation. Yeah. I mean, it wasn't it had gotten less to a lesser extent than it was for them, but that's something that died out with our generation. Yeah, because now I mean, it's, it's like food. I mean, you got your smorgasbord of places to eat at, right. and, and the disposable income to be able to do it. Yes. You know, whereas you know, coming up, it was I mean. To go out to eat. That was yeah. a big deal. Yeah. And yeah. there was no bring something home. It was, you know. Yeah. yeah. It was, uh. And it was like, it was a, it was a planned event. It wasn't yeah. just like. It was a big deal. You know, it wasn't just like you, spur of the moment, hey, let's go out to eat no. kind of thing. No. Like and it, it is it, now. Oftentimes it was set. Yeah. You know, you're like, okay, well, Friday night we're going to yep. go to the Pizza you, Hut or. Grandparents would come sometimes. Mm-hmm. And I remember my grand, you know, it was a big deal to go out to eat. Yeah. You know? Yeah, I mean, maybe once every couple months you'd get to go and have all-you-can-eat fish or something. Oh, yeah, yes. that was always a big deal, too. Yeah. Anytime you had to, that, that was the the extra kicker is the not just going out to eat, but you're going on a road trip. Right, because yeah. you to had eat. to travel yeah. for yeah. that. You're going to yeah. drive to a whole other town yeah, you can to drive, eat dinner. Drive 30 minutes. Maybe 45 or so. Yeah, 30, 45 minutes. And what always fish. killed me is that, Usually at those places, it was always kind of, eh, as a kid. And you would have to wait, which always whipped your ass as a kid, too. Because mm-hmm. at that time, you didn't have to wait anywhere you went to go eat. Right. At least in our world. You know, right. There was no... There was no line to get my peanut butter and jelly from my mama. Well, there's no line if you, you know, went to the Pizza Hut. Yeah. Yeah. They might have that little sign that said, please wait to be seated. <laughs> right. That wasn't... Yeah, you know, crowd control, but then you go to this fish place and it's packed. Oh, yes, and no reservations. No reservations. Nope. You just, or no, was that the place that you did have to have reservations? I don't remember. There may have been one that you had to. Yeah, but you would go and you would wait, and you finally get it. And as a kid, you're like, huh? Eh. I don't see what the big and deal the wait, is. Could have eaten fish sticks at home. Yeah, wait just time was very different then than it is now. I mean, there wasn't. Phones to play games on, no. and kill the time, and you need to sit you your ass waiting. down. Yeah. You were gonna sit down and wait as and people ki- watch. And that a, was your game. As a kid, that was horrible. Yes, you know, it's a five-year-old just having to sit there and, or stand, stand because you couldn't. Yeah. yeah, and you're just wiggling and right. you used to wiggle worm anyway. You know, you and, you and know. the parents didn't feel compelled to entertain you. No, the way it is now. No, it's like you know now it's like you know what. Well, you know, little Johnny, do you need something to do? Do you need right. something? You know, like you feel compelled to yeah. entertain. Yeah, that is totally. 1980, no, you, were just, like, you were just expected to sit there and behave. Yeah, I was like, we'd go over there with 
two other adult couple friends of my parents. Yeah. And it would be me and then these two couples' kids. Mm -hmm. And when it got time to wait, it would be like, you know, you kids go sit down over there and we're going to go over here and have adult conversation or go to the bar or whatever. And you're, you know, you're just going to wait. Right. Like, (laughs) we'll let you know when we get to go sit down to eat. Yeah. It's a total different world. And not, not, not necessarily for the better. It just, it's just become so much more child centric. Well, that is the truth. I mean, families now revolve, the, the pyramid has been flipped where Mm -hmm. families, you know, I mean, just look at the time, your schedule on a, you know, how much of your schedule in a given week is child centric. Yeah. Versus like, I felt like growing up, I mean, uh, you know, it's not like I didn't play baseball or soccer or whatever else, but, there was no point in my youth where I felt like that I was top priority. Or she was the most important of, thing. I wasn't the center the... of the universe in the family. Right. You know, right. it was like, and there was a lot of that, like the kids tag along for parent stuff. Yeah. Adult stuff. Like yeah. we're, you know, my parents are going to go over to so-and-so's house and there might be six couples over there that are going to play cards or dominoes. Mm-hmm. And the kids are going to be like, look, you know, Find something to do. Yeah. Yeah. Entertain yourself. That was was a definite real thing where. It would go anywhere in age from three year old kids to. That's right. 15. 15 year old kids. And it wasn't like we're going to set you up with a movie or TV or anything like that. Didn't have a VCR back then. You were going to turn the TV on and you can watch Knott's Landing. (laughs) Exactly. It's like, let me watch another episode of uh, Love Boat. But it's. Yeah, no, it was, you know, and. It was also, you guys go somewhere that's not going to disturb the adults uh, too. Like, yeah. You weren't going to get the run of the living room. No, right no you like, weren't. You were going to be off in a bedroom somewhere. Yeah. And hoping this kid had some cool GI Joes, or that the kid wasn't an older asshole and right. you know, beating right. you with a beating you up all night. Yeah. And I mean, I think you can, if you were just to take photos of the American home now versus when we were kids, it would tell the whole story. Like the ashtray sitting out. Yeah. And like in the living room, like a lot of, you know, families' living rooms who have kids now look like every room looks like a playroom. Yeah. Like yeah. there's toys every like yeah, you can I didn't have to I mean and I'm sure you guys didn't either. Like my toys and playthings and all that were in my room. Yeah, shit stayed like, in the I room. Yeah. yeah. I mean I could bring it out and play with it in the living room and that kind of stuff, mm-hmm. but it the living room did not look like a kid's room. No, right. that's uh, – yeah, I, I I can think back because I've looked at some pictures of my parents' place when I was little. And, yeah, it's – even though there were toys here and there, it doesn't look like, you know, how my home looks like. There yeah. was just more of a division between, like, adult space and child space. Yeah. And now it's all kind of, you know, yeah. intermingled. And, two talking about the feeling like – we have to entertain them all the time. I remember because I'm, I was six when my little brother was born, which I thought was going to be awesome because I'd finally have somebody to play with. Didn't turn out that but way. He was a little baby, so I mean, yeah. I can't really play with a little baby. So I mean, so I spent hours just entertaining myself. You know, yeah, that's what really got me into music as a, you know, Lawrence fifth, Walk show, fifth grade, sixth grade, seventh grade. But, you know, play with your Hot Wheels, play with your, you know, Star Wars toys, your G.I. Joes, that kind of stuff. Yeah. yeah. It wasn't a concern. The parents didn't feel like they had to be the ones entertaining you all the time. One like that, I look at my youngest one now and, you know, she wants to play. Daddy, let's right. play. Let's play. And, you know, which I'm good for an hour. And then I'm like, you know. When do you, you can go re- play in your room by yourself, you know? Like, when y'all were kids, do you even remember? I mean, there were definitely times where we, you know, like, asked our dads to do something or whatever. But, like, I don't even remember that happening a lot to where it was, like, going to your parents and saying, you know, can we play this? Can we play that? Can we, like, yeah. feel like it is now to where it seems like, yeah, like, if you're there, then you there's this underlying assumption that you're obligated to be interacting in some kind of game or something mm-hmm. with them all day long. Right. Yeah. You know, I, my dad worked his ass off. That was one thing. And but he 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 would play with me, like you said, 
but he worked so much because he would work, you know, his regular job. Then he worked at night in the evenings on side job in his own business. So, you know, he was hustling to try to always work and it's, it's just a different world. Yeah. I mean, I, I just remember like, you know, like it, my dad would get off work, you know, late in the afternoon or early evening or whatever. And we might, you know, throw the football around in the front yard or, you know, go shoot baskets or do something like that. But like when the weekend came, I didn't have the expectation that like I was going to get all day Saturday and all mm-hmm. day Sunday was going to be me playing with my parents. Right. Yeah. You know, it was going to be, of course, we had the luxury of the outdoors, right. the outside. You right. Know, you go outside and you, you know, you can go yeah. play and do whatever and come back, you know, yeah. when it's dinner That's time. That's interesting, or you know, because parents now, you know, in today's world where, you know, we keep a super close eye on our kids. Yeah. When they're Too out, much helicopter. when they're outside, you know, which, I mean, hell, I would play outside for hours and hours and hours. What I felt like was unsupervised. They might have been peeking out the window, making sure I was still there. You're probably pretty unsupervised. And, uh, but do y'all remember? I remember this changed my mom for a little bit when the Adam. Yeah. The, ch- the child abduction right. yeah. and the. Well, there was that and there was the Atlanta child murders. Yeah. Before that. But that, yes, that kind of started the. The kidnapping yes. thing, because right. I, I remember, uh, you know, that's mom for a little bit kind of got real paranoid about that kind of shit. But, and then you she know, got tired of you. That wore off, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Going back outside. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody's going to get you. If, You'll wear their ass out. If, if a van stops, get in. <laughs> right. Yeah. Hey, get another one of those ice creams from the ice cream man. It's not odd that he's 60 and single. It's okay to go to the bike shop. <laughs> oh. Bike shop callback. No, yeah, that's, that's the ironic thing. And I think it's been, I think it's been driven. I know we've talked about this a little bit before, but it's been driven by the, you know, media and all the publicity that things like, you know, child crimes and everything has gotten to where people have ramped up so mm-hmm. much on their hypervigilance about it. But, you know, if you look at the actual statistics, those kind of crimes have steadily gone way down since we were kids. Yeah. But the vigilance about it has gone up. Right. You know, like, but, you know, like just here recently, there's been within yeah. 20 miles of here in a 20-mile radius, there's been a dude in a van yeah. spotted trying to cruise around. And Hadn't been successful in well, picking anybody up yet. That we know of. That's why That's I true. think, though, that even more so would have, been, than, would have been a reported missing child. Well, but maybe he got him and let him go and the kid didn't report it. Ah, okay, yeah. I mean, that that's why I think even more so than the actual statistics of the crimes that are happening, that it's the, the publicity of it yeah. that's affected things. Because certain things, even if they're a very low incident rate, if you hear about that, you don't want to take any chance. Right. Like, right. I don't care if it's one in a million that somebody's going to abduct my kid. You're gonna, that's not a good enough chance for me to let yeah, them just go outside. Not, right. the odds, yeah. 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 But so, you have to kind of balance some it, of that. It's yeah. very tough. You know, um, tonight I was thinking about that because I had to take my daughter to softball practice. And it's a eight U team. So there's six, seven, and eight-year-olds on there. And... About half of the kids' parents just dropped them off. Now, I'm not comfortable dropping off my six-year-old and Mm-mm. leaving her anywhere. No. Without someone that I, you know, right. really know. Not just somebody that, you know. And half the people did and half the people didn't. Right. And that was definitely the norm when we were kids. Oh, it, when we were I mean, kids, it was... Yeah, I mean, it was 99% would drop your ass off. It was odd if your parent did stay around. Right. Yeah, that was yeah. the odd it was parent. like you were the sissy. Yeah. The only know? way that it was that it was not as odd as if you lived further out of town. Yeah. And yeah. Like your parents would have to come to town come to bring to you to practice. Right. So they were going to, they may run to the store, but they'll be back in a minute. You know? Right. But if you lived eight blocks over in town, yeah, they weren't staying around yeah. for you. And I don't know if it's fair or not, but 
uh, and I, I mean, I only have girls, and I, you only have yeah. girls, but I feel like that I'm probably even more protective with them than I would be if they were boys. Absolutely. I think like, so. I mean, I think I would still be, I still wouldn't yeah, be just no, dropping it's... them off with a bunch of strangers, but like, it just heightens the level yeah. a it, little bit. It does, and I don't know the, the, I don't know that the statistics would prove that that's the case. Right. But, I, yeah, because I've got boys and a girl, and and she's younger, so that may also right. shade my... But, yeah, I could see that. I mean, there are more... I mean, it, it there are more girls that are offended against than boys, but it's not as uh, discrepant as I think a lot of times the protective factor is. Right. You know, like, I, I just think... And what, but what I don't know is if that's also true of moms. Like I know all, I mean, all of my friends that are dads that have boys and girls, that kind of thing, it seems like that's a pretty common The dads are more protective of the daughters. The dads feel a little bit more pressure to be more protective of the girls than the boys. But I don't know if that's the case. Uh, with moms, with moms. if moms are more protective yeah, of the daughters than the whether that's the case oh, or maybe. not. I mean, I think that I it think that the equal. dads feel a little bit more pressure in general, just for the protection part of it. Yeah. Um, but but I don't know. I don't know if that's true either. I mean, it, yeah. it's anecdotally it seems to be the case, but you know, I'm spending more of my time talking to dads than moms. Right. There was an interesting. But if you're a mom out there, let me hear from you. <laughs> a hot mom. An interesting anecdote that I read, I guess maybe around the time uh, Mrs. Montebank was pregnant with our daughter, but it was about a father wading into the surf with his son and his daughter, about the same age. And when the wave would come, he would brace the son with his left hand, but he would kind of pick the daughter up with his right so she didn't get hit. Hmm. I think that's a good analogy. With the... Uh, hmm. And I don't even remember what the gist of the article was, but that stuck with me because it's yeah. kind of like, yeah, that's kind of what you do. Yeah. And, you know, you could say that that's a gender construct and, you know, sexism and all that stuff, but it's just that DNA nature to right to protect that daughter a little bit differently than you do because you, you want the boy to be strong. I could see bracing the daughter too, but that's not yeah. how it works. If you've got a six-year-old daughter, you find out real quick that yeah. she doesn't want to get hit with the wave. When that does become, it is tricky though because you, ironically, you're wanting to instill in the girls that feeling of inner strength and that they don't that independence yeah, and right. that they don't need a man to protect them and that kind of thing. While at the same time feeling pulled to do so, right? Yeah. You know, so that can become a, a tricky balance. Yeah. yeah. And my daughter's a firecracker, and um, that's probably going to kill me one of these days. But I am enheartened that it's going to be. She's going to give some man hell someday too. You right. Know, <laughs> as much as pain in the ass as she is to me, she's going to stand up for herself later on. Yeah. So. That's one of those things. We're at about an hour. Wow. Let's, uh, let's unhook the wagon. All right. Well, thank you all for uh, joining us once again. We covered a pretty broad spectrum there, starting off. From, from devil worshiping to raising daughters. Join us next time. Can you hear me? Find us on Twitter. Email us at canyouhearmepod at gmail.com and subscribe to us if you haven't already. Leave us a review. We'd love to hear from you. So we'll talk to you later. Adios. Bye. Hey, hey, just grab a hold of something, bite your lip, and give it hell. Come on. We're going to get through this. Hey, that, that sounds pretty nasty. How about courtesy flush over there? Excuse me, sir, would you... Donation to the Reverend Moon? Jews for Jesus? Read about Jehovah's Witness? How about Buddhism? Jerry's kids? Oh, yeah. Scientology? Or nuclear power? 
hide this tape when I'm finished. If none of us make it, at least there'll be some kind of record. And world-class championship wrestling. I'm Bill Mercer with Jay Saldy. Good night from Dallas, Texas.